Good to be back again. Um, I was just saying uh, at breakfast there, uh, Louise and I have just been away for a few days, <clears throat> so I'm just kind of getting back into Adelston, uh, Adelston life in all its fullness. Uh, so if I'm a little bit spaced out, that's probably why. Um, so I had a good time away. Um, so I'm gonna, uh, we're going to look at a, a, the story of Lazarus um, in Luke. Uh, sorry, John chapter 11, not Luke. Um, John chapter 11. Um, and I'm, the reason why I'm sharing that, this this morning, I just through I don't know, various conversations I've had with people and just journeying with people through different things, um, this, this whole thing sort of came into my mind and I thought I need to just share this more widely than with just a few people. So uh, this is a kind of, this message today is a bit of a product of um, watching God work in people's lives around me, which has been painful for them mainly. I just get to watch. A lot of the time as a pastor, you, you just, you, you watch what God is doing, right? Um, and some of it's painful for them and also painful to watch, but at the same time, there's just a great beauty in it. And so that's where the, the sort of, this is coming from. So, um, so Lazarus' resurrection, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but if you know the story, so there's this guy called Lazarus, who's one of Jesus' friends, um, and he has two sisters, Mary and Martha, who are also sort of famous Bible characters, uh, also Jesus' friends. And, and Lazarus gets sick, um, and so they call um, for Jesus, and as anybody would, when they're called to see somebody who's sick, Jesus waits for a couple of days and then he goes um, and you kind of as you see the story from a bit of perspective you think Jesus was really waiting for him to be properly dead before he turned up because um, anyway he finally arrives and, and Lazarus is dead and, and you know there's that famous the, the famous shortest bit in the verse in the Bible which is Jesus weeps and so we're going to pick up the story from there this is verse 38 in John 11 um, which says Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odour, for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may, may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So I want us to look at this today. This is an uncomfortable resurrection. You know, rescue from uh, life-threatening situations can be an uncomfortable uh, business. <laughs> we were walking in the, uh, in the Lake District, my wife and I, uh, and it was really windy. Uh, and she was reminding me, she said, if you break your ankle here, because I, I have this thing called um, Raynaud's syndrome, so my fingers and my toes get really cold really quickly. She said, if you break your ankle up here, you'll probably just die. You know, this is my wife, you know, because by the time the paramedics come to you, you'll just be so cold 
that'll be the end of it. So, and he's basically just, that was Louise's way of sort of saying, be careful. <laughs> she puts it in these terms. But you know, if you break your leg halfway up a mountain, uh, you know, you'll need some kind of assistance. Um, and the, the wind is cold. Um, and, and when they finally get there, the team, they'll probably end up having to cut bits of clothes off you to get to various different parts, you know. Bits of body will need to be manipulated. Um, and then there'll be probably a bumpy ride down the hillside on a stretcher. Um, that's just the way it is. It's not, an uncom- it's not a comfortable kind of ride down a hill when people carrying you. And some of the- they're all volunteers. I'm sure they know what they're doing, but, you know. Um, or if you find yourself trapped in a car crash, um, you, you know, you've probably seen these things, you know, and the fire brigade, and you can't get out, the fire brigade is called, and they have to cut the car around you. I mean, that's a pretty uncomfortable thing, isn't it, when you've got a machine kind of going, pulling the car apart, and then they have to put you on a board and strap you in, cannula in, and all that kind of stuff. It's uncomfortable, right? But, you know, rescue and treatment, that's, that's part of the process. It's a bit of a, in fact, sometimes the ordeal of the rescue is just as traumatic as the injury itself. Yeah? And I know these things. I speak from huge expertise because I have watched every single episode of 999, What's Your Emergency Call with the Doctor Thingy What's It? Because my daughter is obsessed with those programs. And so every time we say, should we watch some TV? Yeah, Dad, let's watch this. And it's some kind of gory kind of program where paramedics are dealing with these things. Somebody put their head in a tractor or something. And it... Anyway, so I know these things. I know from experience of watching it on telly. Um, so anyway, this story that we've just read here, it's a bit like a, a, a Bible version of 999 Jesus rescue thing, you know, because here's Lazarus, he's sick, so they do this sensible thing and they call the Jesus 999 line and they call for Jesus to come and help. And Jesus, <laughs> the waiting times in A&E apparently are not good at St. Peter's, but, you know, this, waiting times with Jesus, <laughs> he just hangs around for two days. <sighs> Yeah, we'll just take it easy. We'll wait for him to be properly dead before we turn up. So, finally, Jesus thinks, right, it's time to go. And he goes to the dead man. And you know the story, if we've just read it. But I want to imagine the story from Lazarus's point of view. See, in the scripture, Lazarus is the one person we don't really hear much from. In fact, we don't hear anything from him, because, mainly because he's either very sick or very dead most of the time. So you don't get to hear much from him. Um, so let's just try and imagine it from his point of view. I imagine Lazarus was lying on a bed. Sick people tend to lie on beds. Whether that was in his house or maybe he got moved to his sister's house or whether that was the same house. Don't know who's there. He's sick. He's looking in a bad way. I'm guessing his sisters, I mean, if you were the sisters, you're probably kind of, Lazarus, don't worry. We're going to call Jesus. And you're probably thinking, okay, well, that's good. I've seen Jesus do some stuff. He's healed the sick. I'm sick. Hmm, Okay. We'll send for Jesus. It's almost like, don't worry, we're going to call an ambulance. Help is on the way. And maybe as you're Lazarus, you're sensing that there's a sense of urgency around you. Maybe you're not quite aware of how bad you are, but there's this kind of like fidgety, panicky sort of anxiety that's going on around you. Maybe you can feel your own pain, your own suffering. And after a time, you're lying there and you're thinking, well, he hasn't shown up. And even by those day standards. This is taking a long time. Maybe there was an air of disappointment for Lazarus. Maybe he's thinking, oh, maybe he's got more important things to do. 
Anyone had those kind of prayers where you're praying that kind of prayer? Jesus hasn't turned up, right? Jesus hasn't turned up. Where's, what's going on here? Maybe he's got other things on his mind. And then at some point, Lazarus passes away. Now, in that, then Jesus doesn't know, oh, sorry, Lazarus doesn't know that all the things that Jesus would have said, you know, those kind of profound things he was saying about him being the way, uh, the, the way of resurrection and that uh, he is a resurrection and a life. Um, probably Lazarus doesn't also know that Jesus delayed setting off <laughs> to come and see him. Lazarus doesn't know that Jesus wept when he arrived because Lazarus just knows death. Now, I don't know how conscious Lazarus would have been in that death. And what I mean by that, and I don't know whether he, his spirit stayed in that place or it went temporarily to Hades or to heaven or to hell. I don't know whether his spirit lingered over the body. Kind of, you know, I, as I was thinking this through, I was thinking, I wonder whether his spirit was kind of thinking, hmm, I wonder if there's a possibility of resurrection here. I'm just going to hang around to see if it, if it, if it does. And, 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 uh, but no, I don't know if that happened or... You know, I, I don't know whether it was just a, for him just being a... I mean, Jesus said Lazarus is asleep, so maybe, maybe it was just like being asleep. Um, maybe he wasn't aware of anything except like in a dreamlike kind of way. I don't know. I've not been dead for four days. I can't tell you, all right? So I'm just speculating. But the next thing that Lazarus, I know, would have been aware of was his name being called. Lazarus, come out. Now, imagine that. Here you are. Lazarus, come out. First thing you're probably thinking is, come out from where? Where am I? You know, it's dark. I seem to be wrapped in something. It's difficult to move. It really smells in here. In fact, it stinks. In fact, I stink. This is Lazarus talking, by the way. And so he tentatively starts crawling, struggles to his feet maybe, stumbles towards some kind of light. Maybe what if this is a dream? What if this is just a dead dream, whatever dead dreams are like? You know? And then he trips maybe, maybe bumps his head on the wall, maybe hits his head on the ceiling, falls to the floor, stumbles forward. I mean, actually, if you were able to watch that, it could be quite comical, Right? A guy in grave clothes, trying to, trying to be alive, <laughs> trying to walk out of a grave, you know. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when we're going through stuff with Jesus, it's kind of like, this is just dire, but at the same time, it's hilarious. You know, people say stuff and do stuff, and you think, that's just funny. Oh, well, I do anyway. I have, maybe it's the perils of the job, trench humor. But this is quite a comical situation. And then... He probably gets to the edge of the tomb and collapses out of there. And he didn't even realize that it was a tomb or a grave. I don't know. And he comes into this light and he can't see it because somebody's put this stuff all over his face, this material. And he hears. Well, I mean, what would you hear as you come out of the tomb? You probably hear wailing, weeping. These aren't British people, by the way. There's a sort of different culture going on here. They've been weeping and wailing, laughter, cheering, clapping, shouting. And then you hear a voice, familiar voice, unbind him, let him go. Now, we British people will probably kind of just kind of just wait for somebody 
qualified to do that. But I would imagine there everybody would have rushed him and got to him, and it would have been noisy, and it would have been chaotic, and it would have been like, you're Lazarus, and he's like, well, what's going on? And people are starting to tear stuff off, and, you know, they're not particularly careful because they're excited, and they're shouting, and they're clapping, and, and no doubt you're going to get bashed about a bit, and no doubt the, this newly resurrected body is immediately bruised by the whole load of people trying to desperately get you out of this bandages, and, and not bandages, um, grave clothes, twisted and pulled and pushed about, Maybe even in that, they start to get it all tangled up and you start to lose the circulation in your left hand or something. And you're kind of, oh, actually, this is quite uncomfortable. You know, can you... And somebody takes out a knife finally. It's getting caught, so they, they cut you free. But then you've seen how they've dealt with other things. So the knife looks a bit threatening. I mean, it's a bit like being in a car being cut open by the, param- the uh, firemen and the paramedics. It's not very elegant. It's not neat and tidy. It's not graceful. It's not dignified. It's pretty uncomfortable. It's untidy, it's a little bit humiliating, but he's resurrected. He's back to life. He's from the dead, and now he's alive. He can hear, he can breathe, he can stretch, he can move, he can be hugged, he can be kissed, he can sense that love. This is new life. Now, that's my imagination of what this very short, you know, we just get a few lines. You know. And I think the problem is we tend to think resurrection. Ta-da! Ping! It's like, like he was dead and now he's alive. Perfect. You know, sort of comes out and just, ta-da! But if you stop to imagine it, I don't think it was quite like that. I think it's, it's, um, it's not quite so clean cut. It's not quite so instant. It's not quite so just this than that, black and white. I think it's a little bit more uncomfortable than that. And why am I saying this? I'm saying this because I think this Lazarus experience of resurrection is, is a picture of many of our lives in the spiritual life. I think it's, um, it's pretty, pretty true to, to what I see the Christian experience being like. Because I don't know about you, but the day you became a Christian, it wasn't going to kind of go, ta-da, everything's sorted. Anyone have that experience? Okay, good. Right, we're in the right place. Because there's pain, and there's struggle, and there's suffering, and there's questions, and there's doubt, and there's kind of moments of ecstatic joy, and then moments of like, what on earth is going on? And there's people around you that are doing stuff that is good, and then there's, then it, what are they doing? That's hurting me. I'm losing the sensation in my, my arm. Stop it. But that's the walk with Jesus. It's an ongoing sanctification. It's an ongoing purification. It's not a microwave, instant, 30 seconds, press the button and it's done. Life. And don't get me wrong, there are great moments of revelation, experience, encounter, and freedom, and, and there's that joy of having your name called out. Lazarus, come out. But there are stumbles and there are bumps and there are falls along the way, aren't there? There's, there's the learning how to walk in the call of Christ, and it's not straightforward and smiley and happy, clappy all the way. And, and I think we need to be kind to ourselves and just say, yeah, this, sometimes it's, it's messy. In fact, most of the time it's messy. So let's be kind to ourselves about that, but also be kind to the people around us because, I don't know about you, but there are some people you just think, goodness, you've been in church this long and nothing's changed. Come on, hurry up. Chop, chop. I've, known, I've experienced people in my church who, in the past have got 
very impatient with other people because they, they, they're not walking with Christ the way they should be now. Oh, are you? <laughs> First of all, there's a plank and a speck thing going on there. But, you know, let us learn grace towards one another because this is the way of it. Let's not be afraid of being honest about the Lazarusness of our lives. And if the problem is, I mean, if you look... Uh, I like your... There's a poster outside. It's got people on it. Real people. You, actually, on the poster. I, you know the one I'm talking about, is it? I like that. I like that. It's not what often happens in churches. Perfect people. I don't know where they find these people. Um, they just have perfect teeth and a perfect smile and kind of, I'm a Christian too. And it's all set in this kind of beautiful setting or kind of like bright lights and everything's, everything's wonderful and you just think, oh, is that what Christians are like? I'd much rather actually, in fact, I'd even want to go further than your post. Let's wrap you all up in bandage, in, in grave clothes and sort of have sl- hanging off and hair slightly all over the place, you know, because that's the real life. Christian publicity doesn't do us well. The mainstream, co- I was talking about publicity, you know, we can work on this. Advertising, Christian advertising, let's be real about it, you know, real about it. In reality, we all look a little bit like Lazarus, half unwrapped, don't we? It's not always pretty, it's not always elegant. But through the trials and temptations along the way, we're growing in faith, we're growing in humility, we're growing in patience, we're growing in grace, we're growing in love. Paul says, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. See, there's people along the way that some people are really helpful. They get the bandage off really quick and give us free light. And there are some people that are just, you think, what are you doing? These are Christians, by the way, people in your church <laughs> sometimes. And it's like, that bandage is now getting tighter. This is not working. But actually, God is working through the, the people that are good and the people that are not so good at taking the bandages off. He's working through all of it. So stick with the process. Stick with the process. Flow with the process of resurrection and allow God to guide and carry you through it. Allow yourself to be unbandaged and to be carried and to be rescued and to be called forth. Because actually the way that you are resurrected, the way you are unbandaged, will, will actually help how you unbandage others around you. So let grace abound. And above all, hope in the end goal. New life. That glimpse of light as you wake up and think, where on earth am I? Oh, I'm in this new life now. Keep the goal in mind. Freedom comes by bit by bit. Jesus wants you alive, by the way. He doesn't want you dead. And he calls us forth into life. And he grieves over those who are dead and calls forth new life continually. I was, I was just talking to Florian. Good to hear he's got some baptisms coming up or a baptism and maybe, maybe more. That's great. It's a sign of that resurrection life. But actually that, that, that baptism isn't, is the beginning of it in a way. It's, there's uncomfortable stuff to come, no doubt. But it's all good because... Jesus calls us forth into new life, into freedom, into a fuller and greater way. So I'm going to have to run off and say this all again to someone else in a few minutes. Um, but let's just take a moment to, um, just to be still before God. I want us to just close our eyes and imagine ourselves as Lazarus.
And to some of us, maybe there's a, a calling forth, maybe just hear your name, Jesus, call your name. And maybe for some of us, it's just literally a case of I'm, I'm going to just stumbling, stumble and, and start walking towards that light that Jesus is calling to me. To me. So let your, let, let, let your name be heard. It's Jesus is calling you. And maybe some of us feel maybe we're more just at that sort of stage where it's that messy unwrapping. The unraveling of the clothes of death. And maybe the Holy Spirit would like to now speak just, maybe there's one particular part of you, an area of your life that you just know that he's calling you to a greater freedom. And it might mean that you, you actually say to somebody around you, can you just help me take this bandage off? Can you help me with this area of my life? Can you, can you help me in my prayer life? Can you help me in my my addiction? Can you help me in my pattern of sin? Can you help me in my, in my ways that are not centered on Christ? Jesus says to you, come out. And he says to all of us around, take off those grave clothes and let them go. So I pray now. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let us know that life. Let us know that resurrection. Let us know the call of Jesus in our lives. Let us not be afraid of the messiness and the uncomfortableness and the randomness and the chaotic way that this is going to happen in us. Knowing, Jesus, that you are overseeing it all. Let us be honest with one another. Let us share our struggles and our difficulties and not try and hide where our faith is wobbly, lopsided, confused sometimes. But I pray also that there'll be, in amongst all of this, we would know the moments of beauty and, and joy and freedom and laughter the celebration and continual walk towards a greater freedom and a greater light and a greater love in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen.